Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, the offseason marches on. Little bits of moves trickling in here in and here out, but the Avs have not done anything since our last episode really worth notes. But I feel like we kind of have a clearer picture of this team over the last couple of days. Things have started to make a little more sense. You get to digest some of that picture a little bit more. The main thing I want to talk about today is looking at the state of this team right now and how it compares to last year so i can start with a simple answer or a simple question i mean do you think this team is better than they were last year that's a tough question um i i think i have the same expectations going into this year as i did last year i think they're about the same uh there's still some depth questions you have a lot of players that you sign are going to need to prove themselves similar to what erod had to do last year and we're going to wonder what jonathan duran can do what miles wood can do if there's one way this team improved, they definitely got tougher and they added some more quality depth, which I feel like last year it was just kind of the let's run it back with this same team. And they've added definitely some some grit and toughness. And I kind of like the depth a little bit more. Yeah. So it's funny. We were, we started this show as the Alex DeBrinkett stuff is going down. So like, you know, we probably shouldn't wait because that trade detail, it's going to take forever to come out. We have it now. As, of course, two minutes into the show, of course, that's going to yeah. break. So we'll talk about it more to bring it going to Detroit later. But the full trade, just so I can get out of the way, is to bring it going to Detroit for a 2024 conditional first, which would be either Detroit or Boston's. A 2024 fourth round pick, Dominic Kubalik and Donovan Sobrango. I actually, I, I kind of like that trade for Ottawa. That, that that seems like a fair return on a guy who wasn't going to re-sign with you. We'll talk about that more, but I, I thought it was going to be a lot less, if I'm going yep. to be honest with you. Honestly, so, I, I like this trade for all sides. Yeah. Like, truly, I think it's a great deal for both sides, and neither yep. team's really going to lose out too much on kinda it. kind of bummed about Kubalik because I thought we had talked about maybe him coming to the Avs. Yeah, uh, I think that was, I think maybe that time had passed a little yeah. bit for us at least, but... To get back on track, we'll talk more about to bring it later. But of course, that happens right when right we as we started because couldn't just wait three more minutes to yep. start so we could get that out of the way. But even still, getting back to your point, this team was a lot tougher and I think they're a lot more complete. The main lesson I think they learned against Seattle is that Seattle was able to throw four lines at you that had you feel like you were drowning. They were terrified of Nathan McKinnon. They were terrified of Miko Rantanen. Pretty much any other time that anybody else was on the ice, Seattle was eating greedy. They were just skating around, having sometimes like a great time on the ice. They were barely impeded. With this lineup, assuming, of course, it stays healthy, which is the big wild card in this conversation, assuming this lineup stays healthy, you're not going to have that problem again. You might be lacking right now a true proven top six forward on your second line right now it's penciled in to be jonathan drouin i'd still need to be convinced of that but i can definitely see a future where that works but there are certain things that drouin just doesn't do and i don't expect him to do 
in Colorado, like be super strong defensively or fight a ton of those battles behind the net. If the Az were to add another top six winger, I think we would definitely be having the conversation of, yeah, this team is definitively better. I think they have different holes on their team than they did last year, but I think they're less dire. You have your centers for the moment figured out. You have three of them, which is more than you had last year. Yeah. And having centers is very important at the NHL level. And I think Miles Wood, the more I thought about it, the more I've warmed up to this, where I think, especially at least for like the first three to four years of that contract, I five, six, I don't care about. That's five years in the future. Don't care. That's a guy I think is going to work really well here and be a threat in the playoffs and just a threat every single night and just being annoying for other teams don't want to play against this guy. And but what was my main complaint against Seattle? You have McKinnon and Ranton out there. They're a threat. They're scoring pretty much on every shift. Where is anyone? You don't even have to score. Just look threatening. And I think with the way this team is constructed right now, and I don't think it's done. We're going to talk more about that later. I don't think it's 100% finished. The way it's even constructed right now, I don't think that's going to be the same problem again, where it's like you like third line, please just do anything ever. It's going to be interesting because the way you have to look at it is, do you think Ryan Johansson's a better player than JT Comfer? I think so, but the numbers say that it's closer than we would like to but like to admit, but you also got Johansson now cheaper than what JT Comfer is getting paid. So, I mean, that's an upgrade in itself. I think Johansson has the higher floor than JT Comfer and has more proven to play in the top six. So you look at that. I like Ross Colton a lot. Miles Wood has grown on me too. Like I said, I put together that line in my NHL franchise and it's Drew Ann, Colton and Miles Wood. They fucking tear it up, dude. They are ridiculous. Um, so Miles Wood's definitely warmed up to me. The key with him is like, he got to stay healthy. Cause if he can yeah. stay healthy, I think he can be a, a very good piece for the abs. Honestly, I, that, that that's just the center point. Of this whole conversation is last year, the team was decimated beyond belief. And if this avalanche team has a normal season, which is not 400 plus man games lost and being top three in the league injured and still somehow winning the division, if they get most of the guys to give you 65, 70 games by the end of the season, this team by default is going to be better because they didn't have players last year playing for them for several points of the season. Like, one of the things Elliot Freeman brought up in the final 32 thoughts podcast of the season is the avalanche really want a healthy season from Bo Byram. If you just get that alone, like your defense by default is going to be better yeah, just by itself. And you have two more centers in Ryan Johansson and Ross Colton. Johansson suffered a lot through injuries, but the last time he was healthy he had a 60 plus point season. Yep as long as they can keep their guys on the ice and just have a normal season, guys are going to get hurt. That is inevitable. Then you play an 82 game season. Someone's going to block a a shot and fracture their foot. Someone's going to take a hit wrong. Someone's going to fall. It's going to happen that people are going to get hurt. But when you're in December, like the abs were last year, you have Charles Houdon on your top line with new hook and Rantanen and Jean-Luc foodies playing second line center. And the rest of the team is the Eagles. It's really hard to win games. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It's really hard to win games. And I think the biggest key that we aren't talking, like we'll talk about more in the future, but Josh Manson, last time we saw him healthy, he was phenomenal. 
And it was very clear in the playoffs he was not healthy, and he looked like a fucking turnstile out there. But if he can come back healthy, we know what him and Bull Byram can do as a pairing. If those are your top four defensemen, you're looking really fucking good, man. And Sam Gerrard as a fifth defenseman is a luxury that most teams would love to have. And whether it's Jack Johnson, Sam Malinsky, whoever it's going to be on that 6D, I feel pretty good about the decor right now. It's just you need Josh Manson to return to what he was. And like you said with Bo Byram, that's our third and fourth best defenseman. And they played a combined, like, what, 43 games last year? Yeah, Byram surprisingly played 42, which is way more than I thought he actually played by the end of the year. Manson only played 27. So you put those two together, like combined, they didn't even play a full season. And that's your that's your second pair, just completely out of action for most of the season. And it didn't help that Kale McCarr missed 22 games. And even Was it that many? Of, yeah, he played 60 games. Holy shit. Yeah, and even in a lot of the games, he was healthy, and he was clearly playing hurt and playing oh, yeah. like December. Kale McCarr was not healthy. No. But the simple fact of the matter was, if he wasn't playing, we did not have a prayer. And we needed to at least pretend to try to win hockey games and had to have him just kind of stick it out because it was enough for him to be playing through. And I think he paid for it the rest of the season, missing time and then coming back, still being Kale McCarr, but being like 80% of Kale McCarr, which is still one of the best defensemen in the world. But it, A Norris finalist. Right. Like <laughs> just still very clearly a step slow. In certain areas, you wouldn't expect Kale McCarr to be slow in. It's still so crazy talking about last season. I feel like I say this every single time, but I still have not wrapped my brain around. We have these conversations, and we still won the division. Yeah. Like, they I were know still a very good hockey team, and they yeah. just ran into a team that was deeper and just playing better hockey than they were at the time. Like you could tell, like winning the division was awesome, but I think if the Avs could go back and like just take a chill pill for like the last week, they would have been done that in a heartbeat. Well, I also think uh, towards the end of the season last year, I think we feasted on a lot of bad teams. Yeah, we played a lot of teams that weren't great. And we won a lot of games that we needed to against better opponents late in the season as well. It's not like we just only beat teams like the Ducks. But when you get to the playoffs, you're playing a good team every night. And Seattle is a really strong depth team that I think we just didn't really identify how well they matched up with the Avs in terms of depth. Because I don't think we thought the Avs depth would be that bad in that series where they're just completely non-existent. And it's just Ranton and McKinnon almost single-handedly winning that entire series. Like they came really close to they doing did. that still. They did. Like that's the funniest part is like you look back on that series and it's like the abs got outplayed in probably what, six of the seven games? Most of them. Yeah. yeah like they got outplayed the majority of them and they still somehow won three thanks to McKinnon, Rantanen and Georgiev standing on his head a couple times. Like, like, what, like what are the ones you say they weren't outplayed in? Like three and six where they were like, yeah, they played better than Seattle. Yeah. Three and six. I mean, one, they got their shit kicked in. Two, they rallied in the second half of the game to steal that one. Four, they should have won, but they blew it late. Well, four, uh, they got their asses kicked. Yeah, right? Georgiev almost stole that one. Georgiev almost stole it, and Rantanen almost stole it that entire time. Yeah. It's like, that's that's another game where it's like, if you just get one goal from somebody, anyone who just puts one in the net, you win that game, even if you don't deserve to, because that's how you win in the playoffs. You just find ways to win. Yeah. And when you are putting more effective players into your bottom six and addressing your center depth, 
you're putting yourself in a way better position to be doing that. Well, and it goes all the way back to the abs were under the impression Gabriel Landeskog was going to play in the playoffs. Exactly. And that's why they didn't make all these crazy moves at the deadline. I think if you could go back and tell McFarland that, hey, Landeskog's not going to play the rest of this year and the next year, he would have been like, okay, cool. I'm going to go make some more moves for some more assets. But they were under the impression that Landy was coming back. And that really kind of hampered this team because you're adding one of the best left wingers in the NHL. And he never shows up. Right. And I think now you look at some of the moves that they've made, you can tell they're trying to replace what Landeskog brings by committee. You look at Miles Wood, a very physical presence, a good skater, a pest in front of the net. Ryan Johansson, another very strong net front presence. Ross Colton is not exactly the same as that, but still brings a lot of that. He's a pest, though. He's a pest. nastiness. And he's a skilled player as well. He has a lot of talent. He has a very good one-timer as well. That's one thing I've learned watching some of his highlights recently is he's got a surprisingly nasty one-timer. They're trying to replace what Gabe Landeskog can bring them with the extra money that they now have, which to your point, they couldn't do last year because they were under the impression the entire time from the preseason to game 82 that Gabe Landeskog was going to be ready at some point. And they're not under any of that illusion anymore. Landeskog is not going to be available. If you want to stretch the furthest you can, he might be available for the playoffs. And even then, I have... That's like a 2% chance. Yeah, it's a very low chance. If everything goes absolutely perfectly, everything goes perfectly, and he heals faster than he's supposed to, he may be back in the playoffs at some point, not even game one. Maybe at some point, you should not get your hopes up at all for that. No. So I mean, now... Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you're completely right. Like, it's... It goes back to like, well, first of all, Landy can't play until the playoffs begin with because you're using his cap money for something else. So don't even think he's going to play in this regular season. Um, I guess I think it's a 2% chance he comes back and 2% may even be high. Like it may be high to say 2%. But what they did this offseason addressed those problems that they weren't able to address last year. So I do think on paper, this team is better than they were last year. Um, because you also remember they were expecting Darren Helm to be that fourth line center. And he played like what, 10 games all year, including the playoffs. Like it, that was another guy who was out for a majority of the year. And we were talking about when Darren Helm got his announcement for retiring, which he still hasn't really announced. It's just speculated him. O'Connor and Cogliano was one of the best fourth lines in recent NHL history. Like mm-hmm. they were so good. So that hampered the team. And I think it goes back to the point when we were talking like right after the series that, I think a nice long off season is going to be exactly what this team needs. This team's going to be mean. Yeah. Like you even look outside of the guys they added. I mean, first of all, Miles Wood, Ross Colton, those are going to be tough guys to play against every night. It seems like every time these guys are in front of a microphone, it seems like they're just drooling to get back on the ice. Like that great interview DNVR had with, with Kale McCarr and all the other ones that Kale McCarr has done this off season. Like he really wants to win again and they're all really disappointed with how last season ended i feel really bad for the first couple of teams they're going to play in october there's going to be a lot of pent-up frustration they might not win all of those games but they're there's going to be a lot of pent-up frustration and you have to look at it too is this going to be the first time in a long like in this run where i think this is going to be the healthiest this team's going to be to start a year Without we'll, Landis Scott. Let's not go there. We are, <laughs> we are in July. We, we are have, in July. We, have we don't over, need to repeat, but 
we have over three months for yeah. things to go wrong still. But but like if you remember, like Devon Taves was hurt to begin the the cup winning year. You had uh McKinnon got COVID the first well, I mean, like, like, well, that's my point. Like that stuff happened yeah. in October. Yeah. Well, I mean, Taves had that shoulder surgery over the summer, right. if I remember right. So it's was, just... there was also the thing with Val that season too. He got hurt yeah. like, in the first game. Yeah, like it's just going to be I think this team is getting exactly what they needed was with nice long break and they get to rehab their bodies. And we saw what it did for Vegas this year. Look at what Vegas did after their injury riddled season the year before they missed the playoffs. And then they go and win the freaking cup the next year with pretty much the same roster. Yeah, they get get a new coach, a new system and health. It's amazing what you can do when your players can play. Yeah, well, and. It goes into it's even more amazing what Tampa Bay has done over the past four years, how far they've been able to go with how many games they've played in a short span. This is the first normal offseason since before COVID. Yeah. I mean, the, so, Tampa, it finally caught up to them this year playing Toronto. They just they couldn't push it that one more step against yeah. them. But they're, I think they're probably going to have the same thing as the abs, where it's just they're going to step on the ice in October and be able to move a little oh. bit. And be able Tampa's, to Tampa's Tampa's a sleeping healthy. giant next year. Yeah, I I fully believe that. Yeah. So I, the team is better on paper. You just need not as bad luck going into the season as you had last season when it comes to injuries, and you have a team that's motivated again that is pissed off with how last season ended, and I still I'm I'm still gonna go with it, man. I said it a couple episodes ago. I really do think McKinnon's win the heart this year. I think he is. I, I I think he's going to have like 145, 150 point season. I think McDavid will do pretty much the similar thing, but the voter fatigue will catch up to McDavid in this one. I agree with that. Voter fatigue, I think, is a very real thing. But I also think McDavid could have like 160, 170 points this season. Oh, yeah, well, and the, I think there's just a stigma around the Avs. And just like when you have McKinnon, you have Ranton, and you have McCarr, and you have so many great players – how can you be the most valuable player in the NHL? I feel like they lose a lot of votes in that because I think Kale McCarr is going to be excellent this season as well. And I think McKinnon's going to be excellent. As much as I want Nathan McKinnon to finally bring home that award that he should have two of, he should have two hearts. Let's be real with ourselves. He should have two of them, at least one. McDavid has hit such a stride in his career that I he's got to be hurt or take a step back for someone else to win it. And there's just too many good players on this team. They- I also just think McDavid is at that point in his career now where I think he's just going to be like the regular season is the regular season. I, I can do what I want in the regular season. Like I made, he may just coast through it. I, I, I don't know. He might but, coast through it and get 150 points. Yeah. That's the scary part. But uh, I, I'm, I'm sticking with that. I think, I think McKinnon's going to do it. Um, I, and, I so badly want you to be right because he deserves he's so overdue for one. Yeah. Like, I don't want to look back in 15 years and it's like he gets like a pity one, like Mark Andre Fleury got the Vesna that one year. Like, I, I don't want that to be, but I think that would just help his uh, help his. Uh, he doesn't need to help his image because he's a Stanley Cup champion, but being the highest paid player in the league without winning an MVP is is kind of interesting, but I think he's going to go off this year. And I think we finally see a full 82 game season from Nathan McKinnon. And I don't think like, do you think it's crazy to say he could get 60 goals? It's, it would definitely be a little bit of a stretch. I think Rantanen might be a little more in line for 60 goals, but I think McKinnon, if everything goes right for him, he can come close. Cause what do you have last year? 42 in 71 games. 
his shooting percentage would have to actually start on time and start in October instead of just starting in January. Like you'd probably need to have McDavid like goals the whole season. Cause even still him and Pasternak hit it like very close to the end of the year. Like you've got to be on it from day one. Not that McKinnon's never not on it, but like the last several seasons, he's got like six goals in January. And then he starts scoring like 30 goals in a month. I just, I, I, I'm really high on Nathan McKinnon next year. I think he's going, I, I think we finally get the 82 and I would, I think, I don't think 60 goals out of the question, man. Like I don't know the tears he can go on. Like even two years ago when they won the cup, he went on that tear to get to 40 goals at the end of the year. And then he did it again this year. That's what I mean. Like if he starts this, like if he gets to January and he's got even like 15 goals, he'll have a shot at 60 just based on how he scores. Like if he has 20, that's scary thought. That's what I'm saying, man. I'm I think Nathan McKinnon's going to have a fantastic year coming up. And I'm gonna look at DraftKings right now to see what his odds are to win the heart. Um, so if you want to stall for me a little bit uh while I look that up, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, you look at Miko Rantanen as well, who had such an outstanding season last year and probably got stiffed on a couple of heart votes as well. 55 goals, 105 points. He played every game. He's got a shot at 62. It's crazy how much like 60 goal scorers have gone up in the last several years. Like everyone freaked out when, when Matthews did it two years ago. And now you had McDavid do it last year. You had Pasternak do it. And now we're having the conversations like 60 might be the new 50 for some guys. You know, what's funny. So I, I got the, the odds up. Uh, so number one is Connor McDavid. He's at plus 100 for a future bet. That's nothing. Nathan McKinnon's in second. Take a guess what he's at. Plus 1000. Oh, close. Plus 900. Okay. He's the second favorite and he's so far behind Connor McDavid. That is hilarious. But if you look at the top goal scorer too, I mean, Ranton and McKinnon are both tied in odds at plus 1500. That's that's interesting. That's definitely who's number one, McDavid. Yeah. McDavid at plus 220. Your boy Ovi, this is probably the lowest he'll ever be in his life. He's plus 3,500. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. Guess who's above him. This kind of weird. Kirill Kaprizov, Braden Point, and Matthew Kachuk. I mean, they're younger players. I wouldn't be surprised to see them have higher goal totals than Ovi, but winning, what, what are we looking at the Rocket right now? Yeah. I'd be very surprised to see them win the Rocket, at the very least. Yeah, no, it's just interesting. I mean, Tage Thompson plus 1,500 looks pretty sweet on there, too. I'm not going to lie. The Look at Timmy time. Stutzla, plus 6,000. Yeah, that one might be one where I'm like, okay, maybe we're stretching this a little. Yeah, we definitely are. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason why I have this feeling and the odds makers aren't that far off with how we're feeling about it. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. And wow, Georgiev is only the seventh rated goalie to win the Vesna. That's actually pretty good. I thought he'd be lower. Yeah, I mean, Georgiev Um, is going to be a very interesting case. I feel like that's something... We might need to have a conversation about. I don't know if you want to do it today, but I say we save it. We save yeah, it. We can we can save that Georgiev conversation because just consistency among goalies is such yeah. a wild card. We can save that for another time because we're going to need to save every topic we can as we get further into the off season. But just to finish up on this point, this team's not done. They're not no. done building this team. I don't think they make any huge moves. They might, but. I don't think it's going to be a kind of thing where it changes like the structure of this team and changes how we feel about them. But I do think there's one, maybe two moves still to come. Hang on, before we go, 
Kale McCarr is at plus 175 to win the Norris. <laughs> Next closest is Adam Fox at plus 500. I love that. Yeah. Devon Taves plus 5,000 and the defending Norris champion Eric Carlson is plus 3,000. Yeah. Jacob Chikrin has the same odds as Eric Carlson. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because like Eric Carlson could go to Pittsburgh and have like 300 points. He's He's got the same odds as Victor Hedman, Josh Morrissey, and Eric Carlson. Jacob Chikrin. Jacob yeah. Chikrin has the same odds as like top 10 defenders in the world. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, people so I just saw that really and on the do. Ottawa Senators for some reason. Yeah. Just wanted to jump that in. But yeah, go, go back to your point. Yeah. But anyway, like this team's not done building yet. I still think at very least on the forward side, they've still got a couple more moves to make. I don't know what they're going to do in their top six. I think they might be okay with having Jonathan Drouin kind of stick around just because it might suit his skill set a little more than maybe burying him on the third line. But they still need a fourth-line center unless they are just insanely confident in Ben Meyer's ability to go and do Which that. Which they could be. They, they could, could be. be. And I think right wing in the bottom six is going to be an interesting thing because there's, there's a big wild card with Nikolai Kovalenko and his KHL contract right now. But that's not coming till March. And I don't think this team is going to be like, yeah, we'll say we'll keep your seat warm for you for 60 games. And when you, whenever you're good and ready and done in the KHL and put your feet up on the plane and everything, you can come over whenever you want. You've got a job on day one. I don't. Well, and if judging with the abs luck on immigration laws, that guy probably wouldn't be cleared to play till July. Right. So Even if like, he signed in May. Right. So it's like if everything goes perfectly, you'll have Kovalenko in like March, maybe like probably closer to the playoffs anyway. So I still think they're going to do something along those lines. And you've got a couple of UFAs starting to to come off the board a little bit. But there are still some guys available that I think they could target and could be interesting at least. I think at very least they get a fourth line center. I don't don't think they run Ben Myers out there for day one, unless he goes and earns it somehow. But I think they go out there and... I don't know if it's tomorrow or in August. I think they're going to sign a fourth line center. Is there anyone in particular that you've looked at on the UFA board and liked? Uh, I liked Pierre Edward Belmar. I really like PEB, but he signed with Kraken. Yep. Uh, just because he knew takes, the system. Seattle just takes everything we love. Yeah. Like, I really liked him. Um, I mean, there's not really anyone that I had my eye on. I think it's we're at that point in free agency where it's like whoever they pick is going to be the player that they they want, and they'll be good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still on uh, Nosek as a potential fourth line center. I thought you said, oh no, I'm thinking of Hala. My bad. I get Hala and Nosek mixed up for some reason. Yeah, the original Knights, but even still, Nosek. I mean, I think he's a solid fourth line center. Paul Stastny is still available. P.S. Sutter, who played for the Red Wings last year, could be an interesting option. As much as I really don't want to admit it, I think we could get a, a couple of weeks from now and get a Jonathan Taze announcement at like one million bucks for a year. I mean, yeah, but that that's another risk of a guy who can't stay like to no fault of his own. He's has an autoimmune disease. So he's always yeah. getting sick. That's the thing where it's like, is, is Jonathan Taze going to play again yeah. where he's suffered from the effects of long COVID he's up there in age now and his production has dipped over the last several years, maybe not entirely his own fault. And I'm not going to say he'd here. be willing to even accept a bottom six role too. Like the, that's, the, that's the problem with a lot of these really good 
players who were great in the past, do they have that ability to check their ego at the door and go down to playing 12 minutes a night? Right. Like, do you go from basically being the top line center in Chicago your entire life? You hit the UFA market. You're still unsigned. You get approached by the Avalanche, which is a great opportunity to go win another cup. But you're playing fourth line center. Yeah. If you're even willing to come back and play. I think it would be an interesting option because I think Taze would be able to provide maybe a little insurance as other guys do get hurt, assuming Taze is healthy and not getting hurt himself. It would be the kind of thing where it's like, imagine you do have a healthy Jonathan Taze as your fourth line center. That on paper looks pretty good. I wouldn't be crazy about having Jonathan Taze on the team. I'm not a big Jonathan Taze fan, but if I check my bias and just look at that and your center depth goes from being McKinnon, Comfer, Eller, and then who cares to McKinnon, Ryan Johansson, Ross Colton, and Jonathan Taze, that's a solid one through four. And you're also providing some shelter for Jonathan Taze where he doesn't have to just drown in a top six role like he's been doing in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, I think he could succeed in Colorado. The guy you brought, I, I like Pew Suter a lot from Detroit. I think that could be an interesting option as a fourth line center. I really like him. I think Paul Stastny's a little bit too old. Um, he he scored the series clincher against the Islanders, right? He did. It but, was a fluky goal, but he scored it. Yeah, he scored it. So I'm Pew Suter makes sense. I, I just haven't heard anything. I feel like we would have heard something about Devon or Devon, Javon, Jonathan Taves, if he was going to play or not by now. Yeah, I mean, that's my thing. Like, if it comes out he's ready to go in August or whatever, I wouldn't be shocked to see that announcement. It wouldn't be my first choice, but if I'm talking about something that I could maybe see them doing, it makes sense. My first choice would be Nosek. He's not a oh, yeah, he's not a super flashy fourth line center, but he's played on Vegas, he was on the Bruins last year. You can get him cheap because he's already slipped through this much, and as a Fourth line center, I think he would anchor that line very well. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think I had no second a couple of my armchair GMs. So I would be cool with that. I feel like if they went the Jonathan Taves route, that would almost feel too much like they're building like a, a fantasy hockey team. Yeah. Wouldn't it? It doesn't it doesn't feel real. Like you have yeah. that conversation, like, oh, Jonathan Taves, fourth line center, where it's like seven years ago, you say what, fourth line center on Team Canada? Yeah, like it almost seems a little bit too much of a, like a fantasy team, but he would be a, a decent option. It's just, could he be able to check that ego at the door and be like, I have to go from playing 19 to 20 minutes a night to I'm playing 10 to 11. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting for sure. Yeah. And then there's the question at right wing as well. And that those options are starting to die out a little bit as we get deeper into this UFA class. And again, I just don't think they're going to wait on a guy like Kovalenko until March to figure it out. And do you want Logan O'Connor to be your third line right wing? I mean, he's not terrible. A a line of Wood, Colton, and O'Connor would not be very fun to play against for sure. No, but but the offensive prowess wouldn't be there. Right. I, I think there could be something with Colton and maybe Wood could discover something. I think we've seen what we need to see from Logan O'Connor. Yeah. That like he might give you 10 goals. He had nine last year. He might at the end of the season give you 10. He also scores five of it in October, November. 
and then goes silent for 60 games and then puts in three before the end of the season. If he can just put some in with some sort of consistency, that would certainly be nice. There's not a lot of finishing ability for him there, but he's an NHLer. He's a guy you want on your team, solid penalty killer. Probably better if you buried him just a little bit further down in your lineup, though. Yeah. I mean, the one that you keep bringing up is Thomas Tatar. I mean, that, yeah. that would be a solid, solid addition. Yeah. I mean, I think he's maybe a little more suited for, for left wing, but I don't think he could be super picky at this point, or I don't think we could be super picky at this point. But it's also the thing, if you get Tatar, are you bumping Drewan down? See, that's going to be the biggest thing, because on paper, it makes sense with Drewan, Drewan's playmaking skills and all that stuff. He needs to play with high caliber players, but also at the same time, over the past four to five years, Jonathan Drewan has not been a top six forward. Right. And so, there's reasons for that in Montreal yeah. outside of just his playing ability. Like we've talked about a lot. There's a lot of baggage involved with him and the Montreal Canadiens. You might be able to unlock something with Jonathan Drewin, but you have to be playing him in the right roles. Right. And there could be some flexibility with that. We can, we'll see how that ends up over the course of the season starting in October. Duran needs to play in the top six if you're going to get all those playmaking skills that he was drafted so high overall for. But at the same time, like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with Jonathan Duran playing a, a top six forward role. I don't it's know if also, I'm comfortable it's, with that. It's also like if Wood and Colton is a line, I don't think Jonathan Duran fits on that line. No, he doesn't. But it's also so, like if you, because Colton can play left wing and Duran can play center, maybe you swap them and you have Duran playing with Wood and someone else. But even still, you look at the right wingers that are still available, like primary right wingers. You have Patrick Kane, who is not going to play until December or January after having major hip surgery. And, is probably well, and it sounds like he's either going to play for the Rangers or the Blackhawks. Right. It's a, I, I'd be very, very surprised. The other one is Phil Kessel, who I just was that, scratched the basically the entirety yeah. of the playoffs. It's fun, but I don't think that's a solution to anything. Like Josh Bailey, like these are just not great options. Like, does Josh Levo have anything left? Colin White, like we're really scraping bottom of the barrel on some of these guys right now. Like maybe you just ignore this entirely and look more on the left side as well. And then you sign Thomas Tatar or something. Like left has a lot more interesting options. You have Tatar, you have a guy like Danton Heinen, Tyler Mott, I think, could be interesting. Zach Parisi still available. And Zadina's, is he left or right? I want to say right. Okay. So, I mean, that could be an interesting option. It's something we've seen over the last little while. It's something that AJ DNVR has been harping on for the last couple of days. Coming to Colorado gets you paid. And right now, having I, they didn't buy him out. They terminated him, which has to be mutual. So yep. Zadina was on board with this. So you can say to a certain extent that he's betting on himself. Colorado gets you paid, as we've seen with several players that have stuck around and several players, you just look at the list of like Kadri, Burakovsky, even a guy like Nico Sturm. They get money when they play for the Avs. Would that attract a player like Philip Zadina? And do you want another reclamation project on this team right now? I mean, they've worked out pretty well for us so far. So um, I, I think Zadina has the potential. It's just, I mean, it's another forward. You can live with that. Like I wouldn't be bummed about having another forward on the team. It's, it's just going to be interesting to see what they do because all those names you just listed, you're stretching to put them at the, the third line 
winger. Yeah. I feel like with I a mean, couple of them, other than Tatar. Yeah. I mean, Tatar, I think, is probably maybe even more suited for second line minutes than third line minutes. But yeah, I, I think Danton Heinen could be a very interesting option. I think you could squeeze him into the third line just because he is such a, a versatile fit and bump Logan O'Connor down. I, I, is Zach Parisi still going to play? But even then, I don't know. Just he's 38 at this point. Yeah. I, I've always been interested in a guy like Zach Aston Reese, and I thought Toronto would be a strong fit for him. He somehow finished with 10 goals. I just, I always think this guy is better than his results end up actually being. I could see that being a PTO for them come training camp. Zach yep. Aston Reese, if he could stick around, it'd be an interesting, like just pure defensive reclamation project. But is that what we're looking for in the forward core? I don't know. Like it, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see what this team does with them. Cause there are some names out there. Uh, Aston Reese was a guy you were high on last year, too. You were trying to get the abs to sign him real bad. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN to bet $5 and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or, fit or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is available for gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per game. Eligible opt-in required. Max bet 50. 10 leg reg for 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash baseball terms. Now, back to the episode. I'm kind of stuck because it's not that great. So any player you're going to get, I think it's going to be like a one-year league men deal. But like you said, the... Track history is there for players who come to the abs. You get paid when you come and play for the abs after, whether it's from the abs or from another team. Yeah. So, and, might and, as well. and right now, like they're, they have the cap space to still go out and spend on some guys, especially after they sign Colton, where, where no, no matter what that's going to be, whether that's around the $3 million range, they'll probably still have around $3 million, $3.5 million to go and spend. If Thomas Tatar continues to slip further and further, is that enough? I I don't see a way you could get Tarasenko. Like I just don't see that working. And also, no, I I, I saw something that he's waiting to sign in Ottawa now. They were waiting saw, for Debrinket to get. Traded. I saw that too. I've also seen that about Carolina too. But I also saw like the Avs were a team they they were floated around that for a second. So maybe they've called. I don't know. I'm not going to get my hopes up that they're just going to add Tarasenko to this roster, but 
it's in it's an option at the very least when you look at some of them. Parasinko on the abs would be gross. And it'd just be funny for blues fans to have to watch that. <laughs> you would. You would. It would be very funny. But yeah, I I don't think they're gonna make a trade. I don't think they're gonna do anything crazy. I think it's just gonna be like a couple guys and you'll be like, oh, that was just a good signing, good minimum deal, and it just fills out the roster, gives a little bit more depth. Yeah. I agree. It's going to be interesting to see ultimately what they end up doing. I don't think it's going to like blow our socks off no. or anything like that, or be something crazy. And like, I love how we're saying this and probably like by tomorrow, there'll be a huge trade announced. And we'll be like, Oh yeah. <laughs> All of our stuff is just completely irrelevant now. I mean, I certainly love when McFarland and Zach, can pull shit like that. But even then, like, unless it's filling the whole, like the, the top six hole on your offense, what would that trade be? Right now, right. Like, I think Kubalik would have been one of those guys, but now he is a senator. Yep. So I don't know, but it, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, we're what eight days after free agency at the time of recording when this yep. started. So it's kind of that dull period. I don't think any more trades are going to happen, probably not till closer to the season. I would imagine, unless it's like minor leaguers getting swapped around. Yeah. I mean, we have a trade today. And that might be the last one we have for yeah. a little bit with the Brinkett. We can get more into that in just a second. But I mean, like, I think there's still going to be a couple of moves that come down trade-wise, maybe towards the end of the month. We'll see. Just because I think there might be some GMs like McFarland, who's just kind of letting it breathe at the moment and seeing who's going to fall through the cracks and take a, maybe a, a cheaper contract than they would have at the start of free agency. So there's still work to be done for sure. At the end of the day, I don't know if it's going to be a move that's going to change a lot with this no. team or make them any better. But at the end of the day, I think this team's more complete than they were. They're taking chances on a lot of guys. Jonathan Drouin might be a total bust. Ryan Johansson, he might just not be healthy. Like he might just be hurt the whole season and play 30 games and you don't get a lot out of him. And then you're putting Ross Colton up at second line center, which I don't think is the end of the world, but I don't think that's what you acquired him to do. Exactly. So, Nailed it right on the head. Yeah. It'd be that kind of thing as well. And like how far up would would have to be playing in the lineup. And like, do you got to go into the deadline and address these things? Like things can go wrong, but there's also a lot of upside on a lot of these things as well. Definitely. And I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah, I really am. And when it comes to defensemen, that, that might be ultimately what they do as well. Like a guy like Caleb Jones, I would be kind of interested in Travis Dermott. I think could be another interesting option on defense. He's still unsigned at the moment. Could be a guy that you just have on your bottom pair. But it's like we said last episode, if if it's Jack Johnson and or Brad Hunt alternating, I don't think that's the end of the world if you go and you spend that money on your forward core. Well, I, I think Sam Malinsky is the biggest wild card in that. Yep. I mean, that's the thing. Malinsky might go into training camp and impress, and it might be Malinsky and Jack Johnson instead. Yeah. I, that wouldn't shock me in the least. They seem really high on this kid. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the three players that they brought up after the draft is like Sam Malinsky, Jean-Luc Foodie, and Oscar Olauson are probably in the running to earn roster spots. And Oscar Olauson, maybe he goes out and earns that right wing spot at the start of the season. And you throw him up there on the third line with Wood and Colton, and you start to get some production from some of your draft picks. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. be nice. I don't remember the last time we had that happen for us, but yeah, it would certainly that, be that great. That wasn't named Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, or Kyle McCarr. It's actually really funny when you look at this team because, like, I love how Cap Friendly has like the acquired tab when you look at the the teams and drafted players on this team are McKinnon, Rantanen, 
Makar and Byram and Landis Cog. And Landis Cog, of course. But like of the guys who are going to play next season, it is four. Yep. So I I would love for a guy to come in here out of our prospect pool and put up some production because it's not Newhook anymore. He's gone. And as I mean, that's also an interesting thing to bring up as well. You look at guys and who they're replacing. Ryan Johansson and JT Comfer, you brought this up earlier. I think Comfer's a safer pick, but I also think Johansson has a higher upside to potentially score more points for you. Ross Colton instead of Alex Newhook, in terms of this year alone, is an outright upgrade. We'll see what Alex Newhook is in the future for the Habs, but in terms of right now, Colton's better and is fitting what this team is trying to do better. And you also got Guliev out of that as well. So I look at that as an absolute win-win. And would you say Drewan is an Evan Rodriguez replacement for the moment? That one may be the one they take an L on. That yeah, that's one for me. Where it's like Drewan could be something here. I think he's a little more rigid than Evan yeah. Rodriguez because Erod just third line, sure, top line with McKinnon, yeah, absolutely. Second line center for today, yeah, no problem. Just yeah. throw him anywhere you want, and it was fine. Drewan, it seems like. The, maybe the first part of the season might just be finding out where he even plays in the roster and then just not touching it. Yeah, I think that's very likely. So that's the only one you can see like, yeah, that one may be a loss. But honestly, like I, I think Johansson has a higher floor than JT Comfer. I really like Ross Colton over Alex Newhook. It's interesting. Newhook still hasn't signed his QO, has he? I'm pretty sure he had. I mean, he, he would have had to sign. They gave him the QO. I don't think there's anything else coming with that at the moment. I expect they'll sign him soon. Like they wouldn't have acquired him for the price they gave up for him if they didn't think they could sign him. That's true. So, yeah, I, I do think this team's improved. It's just going to be can they stay healthy and can these guys are taking chances on bounce back or have career years, which yeah. while they're playing with the Avs, highly possible. Yeah, we've seen it several times that players come to this team, have career years, and go get paid somewhere else. Or in some cases, like Lekkinen and Manson, just stick around. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you get 50 points at Jonathan Drew in this season. He goes signs himself a nice three, four-year contract somewhere else. and With the Ducks. Yeah, with the Ducks <laughs> or the Senators or someone like that and just goes and sets himself up with a nice payday next yep. year. Just gets a, gets a year with his buddy McKinnon, puts up a ton of points, and then gets out of here. Because we also have to consider, like, Landeskog is hopefully coming back next next season. And outside of Drew Ann, the moves they've made so far are multi-year deals. So you'll Correct. be able to add those guys you've added with Landeskog. Like you think about Miles Wood and Ross Colton and Johansson being like by committee, they might be able to do what Landeskog has done. And then you put Landeskog back. That's a pretty good roster. Yeah. Really damn good roster. A really damn good roster. And with added salary cap. Yeah. So we'll see, but I'm excited for this team going forward. Let's uh, let's, let's talk about this to bring it trade. Cause that's really the only NHL news we have. Um, nice of them to break it at least during. Yeah. The- I'm glad we waited those extra 30 minutes uh, before recording to, to, cause that news literally came out like five minutes before we hopped on. Uh, I, like you said, I like the move for both teams. I think for the Red Wings, this move makes a lot of sense. You add another goal scorer to a team that, I think this is going to be the first time in a while they're going to try and make the playoffs. Um, a lot of the moves Iserman have made have been head scratching. We've already detailed all of those, but to is a proven 40 goal scorer in the NHL. I liked his fit on Ottawa. I thought he'd be a lot better on Ottawa. I really did. And yeah, it, I just, mean, it just didn't work out for him. 
I mean, who knows what the problem in Ottawa was? He still had 66 points, 27 yeah. goals. It's just when you give up, what was it, the eighth overall pick for a guy or yes. something like that, like a high first round pick, you're expecting that guy to be more for you and also stick around long term. But he's also two seasons removed from a 41 goal campaign where he had 78 points. And Detroit is where he wanted to go. Now, the contract is interesting because this one I don't really get for him. I think 7.875 is a fair deal for him. Four years. You could have taken a one and walked to UFA or two and still walked to UFA or just gotten your your long-term deal. I think it's interesting that he's taken the middle ground and potentially costing himself some money. That that is interesting, but if this is where he wants to be, might as well lock it up. But four years? That's not that's not even really locking it up. You're there for four years, and then you, I guess you go hit the UFA market. Yeah, because he'll be what like 31 when that happens. He's 25 right now, so he'll be oh. 29. So I mean, he he'll be hitting the market at the prime of his career. Maybe he has a bunch. He has like two 40 goal seasons in that span, and two 30 goal seasons in there too, and then goes and gets himself after four years of the salary cap going up $9 million. It's possible. It's possible. But for Ottawa, I mean, like you said, they gave up a lot to get to Brinkett. I like the return they got, that conditional first-round pick. I'm assuming whichever one is the lowest is what they'll get. I mean, it's interesting because Detroit also has Boston's first-round pick. Yep. So it'll be the low. I mean, here's the condition. Detroit has the option to send their own or Boston's 2024 first-round pick. In the event, okay, I'm not reading all that, but st- it's the lowest pick. They'll keep, Detroit will keep the better pick out of that. I believe that's what that means. Yeah. So. so you get that. You get Kubalik, who I think is a good middle six forward, could potentially play in the top six. Yeah. Uh, solid player. Solid player. And you got that for a player who didn't want to resign with your team. So yeah. yeah, you took a risk and missed out on the eighth overall prospect last year. But I think their team is better today than they were without Debrink or with Debrinkin. So, so it was the seventh and the 39th overall pick, and they gave up Kevin Korchinski to Chicago, who could be very, very good for them. So that that hurts for Ottawa for sure. And they also gave up a third in next year's draft for Debrinkin. So a first, a second, and a third. And those that first and second were very high picks. Yeah. That's rough. I really thought Debrinket was going to do well in Ottawa. I really did. I did too. It was one. Of, it was one of those moves. Where you're like, man, the Senators getting really serious right now. Yeah, they're- their offseason was awesome last year, and then they were just the same team. Yeah. So, are we going to do that with Detroit now? I mean, I think Detroit like is going to be close to a playoff team. I mean, the East is just so weird because there's still like the old guard that's there, and the new guard. Like, I think the Sabers are better than them. I do. I, mean, I think the Sabres think, are better than the Red Wings. Do we think the Sabres are better, or do we like the Sabres more? I think the Sabres are better. Okay. I I really do. I mean, I'll take Tage Thompson over Dylan Larkin. Uh, like, I just think the Sabres are going to be a playoff team this year. And I think Pittsburgh's going to bounce back this year. I think Washington's going to have a better year than they had last year. There's, like, there's so many teams in the – like, I think there's – right now, I think I can guarantee two teams in the East make the playoffs. New Jersey – Carolina. Outside of that, I, I, I think Toronto is going to make it. Yeah, I, I think Tampa is going to make it. Outside of that, I think it's just a wide open game. Yeah. I don't think there's really any truly terrible teams in the East. Maybe outside of Philly, I think Montreal 
is going to be bad, but not terrible. If you, that makes sense. Like they were another team that just got beat up by injuries last year. Yeah. Like then that's an interesting thing about them is like, they still were much better than they were the year before. They had a pretty significant improvement and also no one could play for them. If they're healthy, I don't think they're going to push for a spot, but they're going to be a competitive team to play against. Like the flyers are just outright rebuilding. Yeah. I think that, Pretty That's much. well, like you said, going to your point though, the Flyers are the only team that you can say are legitimately trying to lose as many games as possible. You look at the rest of the East, like I'm looking at all these teams, all these teams have playoff aspirations going into yeah. it. Every, Even Columbus, who was god awful last year. Yeah, Columbus, they don't make the moves they make if they're not at least attempting to make the playoffs. Yeah. And believe that how bad their injury luck was last year. And they're bringing in a very short shelf life head coach in Mike Babcock to try to squeeze as many wins as he can get out of this team for a very short amount of time. Like the capitals aren't tearing it down. The Bruins are going to be interesting. Like you have pretty much every team in the Atlantic, maybe just with the exception of the Habs that have very real playoff aspirations. Yes. Completely agree. And the Habs, like you said, I think they're going to be better than they were last year. Yeah. Like they're going to have Cole Caulfield for the season this yeah. time. And like, is Sean Monaghan going to be healthy? Is Doc going to be healthy? Like you look at their defense, like who was even playing defense for them last season? That one Wi-Fi guy. Yeah. But even like, even he, even he was hurt last yeah. year. I think he got hurt in like January or February and missed the entire season after that. Yeah. It's and, very like, funny. They had Baron he... playing big minutes for them. And yeah, didn't he get hurt a little bit later in the year too? I think. I think he, I mean, he played pretty well last year. He had 15 points in 39 games for them. So I mean, I like maybe, he'll, maybe he'll be something for them this season as well. But like, even to that point, the Habs are still going to be something. But going back to the point about Detroit, there's just so many spots right now. Like Detroit could have a very decent season and finish sixth in the Atlantic. Yeah, like that. That's the honest to god truth. Um, I like the moves they made. I think to bring it to fit well on there. But I just like more team like. I think Boston's going to be better than them. I think Buffalo's going to be better than them. I think Florida's going to be better than them. Tampa and Toronto are going to be better than them too. That's like they could have like 90 points, not make the playoffs and be sixth. Yeah. Because I, I think, think it's a very real possibility. I think now that I've looked at a lot of what Iserman is doing, I think a lot of it is just the kids have not panned out the way they were supposed to outside of like Cider, who's been their big anchor. But he and, wasn't even that good last year. But he was at least a top four defenseman. Yeah. And like Raymond took a step back, but was still a decent enough player for them. Everything else, I think they're a little bit disappointed in and they're kind of tired of waiting. Yeah. And they want to bring in good depth. I mean, you you look at what the Kings did. Like the Kings, they went through the whole rebuild. They get the second overall pick. They get the fifth overall pick, which they got Turcotte with. And like their most significant young guy has been Velarde, who's not even there. Like yeah, Mikey Anderson, who was like what, like a sixth round pick? I think you're right. That that's that's what's interesting about it. I do laugh because we've talking all this hype about the East, and then you look at the West, and it's like Vancouver may not be very good. San Jose is going to stink. Anaheim's going to stink. Here's here's an interesting question: Is the Central the worst division? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Arizona's going to be Arizona. Chicago's still trying to lose as many games as possible. I think Nashville is going to be okay. I think Nashville is going to be Nashville. Yeah. Winnipeg, we still have no idea what they're going to be, but they could be tearing it down. And St. Louis is going to be probably what they were last year. 
Yeah, I mean, there's questions surrounding them, but I think you have probably the same top three you did last year in any yes. sort of order. I think it's tier one is the Avalanche. Maybe you can squeeze the stars in there. I think you can make the argument. I, I think you could put the stars in there. Yeah, I don't think I would, but I think you can make the argument you can convince me. So just for the sake of conversation, let's say it's that. Colorado and Dallas in one, Minnesota in two. I think there's a gap between Minnesota and the next team, which oh, is, there's a massive gap. Yeah, which is probably St. Louis. I think they'll be better next year, just because I don't think they'll be that bad again. But it's like Chicago's going to be bad. Arizona's going to try. They're going to be competitive. They sign better players. But even just getting back to this point, I think the Pacific has a lot more interesting debates. Where San Jose is at the bottom. I don't think there's any question about that. Arizona, San Jose, Anaheim. You can flip flop yeah. them. I, th- I think San Jose is like unquestionably at the bottom to me, yeah. but Arizona, I think is going to be better, but not that much better. Like what's going on with the flames. Are they trading guys? Are they keeping guys? And if they do keep guys, they had historic bad luck last year and Markstrom was terrible. Does he bounce back? Do they actually win close games? Does not having Sutter make them better? Huberto can the Kraken do it again? Is Vegas going to have fatigue? Like, is Los Angeles going to be that much better with Dubois? I think it's a much more interesting division. And I think from one to six, it's just better than the central. I think at the top, Colorado, Dallas is probably that could be one, two in the West. Yeah, I think Edmonton's going to be solid next year. I agree. I Um, mean, Edmonton, if you put a gun to my head, it's probably my pick to win the West in the regular season. Not that that really means much, but no. But it is funny because we just talked about the East and it's like, yeah, 90 point team commission sixth. And it's like, well, the West is kind of shitty. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like we already know the eight playoff teams in the West already, or at least seven of the eight. Most of, like I think the teams at the top are going to remain at the top. Colorado, yeah. Dallas, Edmonton, Vegas. That's half of the field right there. And yeah. you can I, I feel OK putting the Kings in there. I think they're going to stay around the I same. I feel OK putting them in, in the wild in there. Yeah. And the wild, too. I forgot about that. So, yeah. so we're already at six. And we haven't even talked about Seattle or Calgary or any of these other teams. Yeah. The West is funny. I like the yeah. West. <laughs> it's fun being in the West. But yeah, I mean, just it overall, good move. Get tight back to the point because we got way off topic like we always do. Um, Part of the I thing. like the moves for both teams with Debrinket going to Detroit. I think Ottawa got a pretty good return for what they gave up considering that they had to give them up after one year. And I'm interested. I think Ottawa could be a team that could be sneaky next year too. If Corpus Allo is good. I mean, if that, if that is not the sentence everyone likes to say about the Ottawa senators every year, yeah. I think this team team could be sneaky and th- I think they're going to be fine, but it's like, what's, what's sneaky. Is it, is it a playoff team? Cause like, uh, said, I think, I think Tim Stutzla 115 points could happen. 115. Yeah. I like Timmy, Timmy Stutzla a lot, man. That's 25 points, man. I'm telling you, man, I like Timmy Stutzla, bro. I'm liking Timmy Stutzla. I'll I'll take your word for it, but he goes from 29 to 58 to 92. What did you say, 115 next year? That'd be fun. That would be very, very fun. I'm telling you, I I think he could get there. I would. I certainly hope that's true. I mean, the Senators are going to be good. They might be in neck and neck with the Red Wings the entire season like they were last year. But what is that? Is that sixth? Like there's only eight spots in the East. There's going to be good teams that are just left out. Yeah. So we'll see, but I am, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I wanted to ask you this and it's totally uh, something we haven't talked about before the show. Cause that's just where my brain goes. Um, did you see the NBA is doing a mid season tournament? 
I did, and I think it's weird. It's but weird, but would you be open to the NHL doing something like that? I don't know. It. I don't know too much about this. I watched a video on it explaining it, and I kind of still don't get it. It just feels like a tournament for the sake of having a tournament, if that makes sense. And I just don't see what the point would be in the NHL. I don't see the point in the NBA either. Like it seems fun, and tr- they're trying to add some excitement to a horrible regular season in the NBA. There's just no point watching any of those games. It's worth a shot, but it just feels so empty calories. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at like none of the four major sports in America do it, but in like Premier League soccer, these they have like seven different tournaments going on in the middle of the season. So right. and they get a ton of interest. So I see why they're trying to do it. The only thing I see with it that could be tough is I think in the NBA, the players, like the winning team, all the players get $500,000. Okay. Okay. So they get a little bit of a cash incentive. Um, but in, I think the NHL is just way more demanding and physical of a sport than the NBA when it comes to like the hitting and the just all of that. So, like, would you want to have a midseason tournament where it's like, yeah, we won the midseason tournament? And Nathan I mean, McKinnon's out six to eight weeks with a broken collarbone. I mean, the, the games all count to the regular season records, right? Correct. Okay. So, I mean, it's not exactly the same then, because if you get hurt in a game, it's yeah. a regular season game, and that can happen in any game. I mean, I guess I don't hate it, but I also just don't see the point when it's also like we don't even have the Olympics during the season every True. four years, but it's all that's also not the same thing. Yeah. It's totally different. Yeah, I mean, they're still playing in the the sweater that they're being paid for. Right, it's almost just like this is just regular season games with a suit and tie on. Yeah, I I think it'd be fun. I mean, like yeah, if you're I telling mean, me in the middle of January or February, like we get that, like I I I'd watch it because I watch yeah, every I, game. I watch the regular season anyway. So I mean, like this this I don't think this would be for us. This would not be for like hardcores like you. This would be just to try to drum up normal yeah, but think about it if like it, the championship game is the abs versus the like fucking pittsburgh penguins and like they're playing for the championship of the mid-season like that game would be probably the most watched regular season game of the year right but it's like the championship of the regular like what does that mean does that mean anything like i mean it's five hundred thousand dollars for the players that I, yeah but it's like i don't know i wouldn't hate it but i also would just kind of feel the same way i do about this thing with the nba where it's like it's i'm not gonna watch it because i don't really like basketball or watching regular season basketball either way but if they did it i'd be like i'm okay i'm i think it'd be cool i I, I, I think it's just because it's something different that's why i like it yeah i mean i I, honestly i think that i'm leaning on your side now it's like it's something it's something like when you're at game 50 of the regular season you want something just to break you out of that monotony well and it's cool because they in the nba what they did is it's they aren't playing in the same division so like you have a different like different groups and it'd be cool to like play against like teams that you don't play because what is it you play the central division each team three to four times a year like it'd be fun to mix that up a little bit I don't think the NHL would do it just because the NHL is not smart enough to do something cool. No, like this. And like they're, they're just, they're not progressive enough for things yes. like this. We might see in 10 years, they adopt the play in game, which I'm, I'm not a huge, nah, I don't like the play in game for hockey. I don't either, but as we eventually inevitably are going to add more teams, you're going to have to expand the playoff. Yeah. Eventually. 
maybe not in the near future, but eventually that's going to have to happen. You know what's going to happen is the NBA is going to do this for like four or five years and it's going to get really popular and then the NHL will do it and everyone will be like, yeah, this is kind of stupid. And then the yeah. NHL will continue to do it like five years after the fact the NBA stopped it. You see, here's the thing. I think the NHL needs to come up with an idea that's theirs yeah, and not just copy what the NBA is doing. Because if like, let's say that happens and in four to five years, they come up with this themselves, we're going to be like, you're copying the NBA. And like, cool. and it's very similar. Like you can say the same, like the winter classic was a cool idea that they did. And now it's just kind of like, we've seen it for, right. but the winter classic still cool, but the winter classic worked for a yeah. while for a little moment in time. The winter classic was like one of the smartest things the NHL had started doing. It's a absolute home run at the local level, no matter where that thing is. I think they need another one of those ideas. And I don't know if there's the kind of minds at the NHL to really come up with something like that. Cause the, well, Hey, they was, came up with the Roblox thing where you could watch them play on like a video game. That was kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They knocked that out of the park. They yeah. the mode in Roblox where you yeah. play hockey. It's going to be interesting. Like I I'm really excited to see what the NHL, cause I think that's, that's the problem with a lot of like today, Mike, most people don't have the attention span for an 82 game regular season, but the owners aren't going to cut the regular season down because that's less money in their pockets. Right. So you got to come up with ways to make it interesting. Yeah. It's never going to happen where the regular season gets cut down to 70 or 65 games. Because like 70, I feel like would be the perfect amount of hockey. Yeah. Like, like that would be perfect. Um, If anything, they'd add games. They aren't going to take games away. Right. Like I think it's more likely we'll have an 84 game regular season before we have any sort of semblance of a 70 ish game season outside of like COVID pure necessity, like a situation like that. Like that stuff's just not ever going to happen. It's not. So to your point, it's one of those things I'm interested to see because I do like the idea from the NBA. I think it's something different and it's going to be. Like I'll watch it next year and be like, oh, this is kind of cool. I wish the NHL did something like this, but yeah. I don't think they will. Yeah. I mean, the more we've talked about, the more I've warmed up to the idea. It's like, it's something you need in the regular season where it's like a big problem in the NBA and the NHL, but I think more so the NBA is that the regular season is meaningless. And I think it's more of a problem like regular season for the NBA that's the games are just bad and unwatchable. I think the regular season in the NHL is fun to watch, but there's just so many, it's hard to keep up. And then you get to the playoffs and then none of that mattered. Like everything you just watched for six months did not matter whatsoever. It's different problems, I think for different leagues. So, I mean, I'm warming up to a tournament. I think it'd be interesting. And then, but I also think like, if you do it now, you're, you're copying, like, it's just, you, you stole their idea. Yeah. You need to come up with something. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And then one last thing I wanted to talk about um, because I started playing this game. I am so bad at Puck Dooku. I'm glad you brought this up. I have been, it's one of the few things that I've been like obsessed with recently. Dude, I, I play it and I just sit there and I'm like, I watch a lot of hockey and I cannot remember anyone. I got seven of nine today on the one. I couldn't I got, think of a Blues Panthers player or a, a Chicago and Panthers player. I think I think I did nine for nine today. Let me see what mine was for today. Yeah. So for Blues Panthers, I had Nolachari because I remember. Oh, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Damn it. What was the other one you didn't have? Chicago Panthers. Duclair. I forgot Duclair played for them. That's what I'm saying. Like, I watch a lot of hockey and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I was so confused on the Blues Hart Trophy winner. I was like, Wayne Gretzky didn't win one, right? And I was like, wait, fucking Brett Hall. Duh. 
Chris Pronger. Well, I had Chris Pronger for today. Oh, you did Chris Pronger. I went Brett Hall. Yeah. Well, uh, you get, this you game... get more points the more unique you are. I knew Pronger and I knew Hull. I knew Hull would be the popular answer. Yeah, so he was 62%. Yeah. And so, but was 38. Yeah. This game has humbled my hockey knowledge tremendous, like so much. See, it's been. It started out really bad for my ego. I did not tweet out my scores the first few days. So I was like, holy shit, this is embarrassing. Like, yeah. this is really bad. But then I've started, get, I've gotten like three nine out of nines in a row, which I imagine now that I've said this, I'm going to get like a four tomorrow. Dude, they're so hard, man. Like, I, like, you know how long it took me to remember the Lightning in Vegas player? I was sitting there and I was like, I was thinking of a defenseman, and now I think about more. I'm like, Pierre Edward Belmar was the easiest answer of all fucking time right there. I said Marshall, though. Uh, yeah, you you would. No, 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 for Lightning. Yeah. Like, he, he played for the Lightning? He played for the Lightning. Jesus Christ, man. Um, I ended up on uh, Garrison, the defenseman. That's a good one. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that, that was 17%. Yeah. And then, like, the Lightning and Panthers, I'm embarrassed how long it took me to find Carter Verhage. I was like, this yeah. is embarrassing how I didn't know that. But... Yeah, that game's humbled me, and I've played like the NBA, NFL uh, ones too, and the MLB ones. I'm terrible at these, man, and I watch a lot of sports. I need to step my fucking game up. Yeah, they they have the N- the NHL crossover grid. T- the one today was like broken because the the one for crossover was three or more OT playoffs. Well, yeah, I I'm trying to figure that one out too. And like I've, the Sharks, I, have... I tried Pavelski, I tried Marlowe, I tried Thornton, I could not come up with one. I think that one's just broken because when I got all three of them wrong and I looked, I restarted it so I could try it again. I cheated and looked it up. I was right. Yeah. <laughs> like Pavelski definitely work. has three overtime goals, right? Yeah. Like I feel okay. like every single time, I think it might have to be with that team, but it's also like he definitely had three with the Sharks. Yeah. And I, like every time you watch like the all playoff goals for whatever year the Sharks were in, Marlowe has like all of them for the right. Sharks. And I like, was, there, I was just like, yeah. Did you figure out a sharks and blues player? A sharks and blues at reset. So I don't remember what I oh. said anymore, but uh, what yeah, I, I, I'm, I I'm just, these games have humbled me yeah. and my hockey knowledge, which I thought was good. And I play these games and I just look like a fucking idiot. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you come up with one, like for the sharks and Leafs, I had bear ban off like 6%. I was like, Oh, that one. Nice. But yeah, nice. I, I love that game. It's so, yeah. I wish it was more than once per day, but it's also glad it's not. Oh, I would just, I would lose my mind. Yeah. Because I would just be like, I thought I knew hockey and I don't. Yeah. I don't. Uh, there was one a couple of days ago. I tweeted Raj about this where it's like, I forgot Ryan McDonough did not play a game for the Habs. And it was like, you need a, a Hab and a Ranger. I was like, oh, Ryan McDonough. Of course. What a stupid trade for that. He didn't even play for them. I was like, who was who was a player that played for them then? Because I got stuck on that one too. Ah, uh, what did I have for that? This was a couple. This is bad radio. This is terrible radio. But it's terrible. But like most of our listeners are probably playing this game. Yeah, and they're I, yelling I ended, at their, I ended up. With, I ended up with David DeHarnay for that. That's a good one. Yeah. For some reason, I thought Marty St. Louis played for the Canadians, and he played. He coached. He coached. So yeah. I don't see why that so, shouldn't count. Yeah, and it's just like I rack my brain, and the part that frustrates me the most. I wish they would do this is when you get them wrong at the end, they don't tell you who was a right answer. So it's not like yeah, you, get you just, you know, you know, the the most, you know, the most popular one. Yeah. Like just give me something so yeah. I can be like, Oh, I'm an idiot. No, I have to sit there and still think like, who am I forgetting? The, the 200 plus penalty minutes in a single season was ridiculous. That one fucked me so much. I got so, so much. lucky. I got so, well, I have to, I have to come clean. 
I got reminded to do it when someone tweeted, oh, I forgot Marty McSorley was the answer for the Kings. So I got that one spoiled. I was like, okay, well. 200 penalty minutes seems like so little. The one I didn't get was, I said for the Rangers, I said Sean Avery. He did I that said for, that too. He I did that, for, but too. he did it for the Kings. Yeah, I said John Avery, and then for the Devils, I said Scott Stevens. Scott Stevens never had two hundred penalty minutes. In I, see, I, I said Danico. I got that one right, but I my first instinct was to go with Stevens. Yeah, but also I have to remember that when Scott Stevens was playing, like a lot of the cheap shots he was doing were legal. Were legal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he wasn't in the box. Yeah, and like the like the hit on Paul Correa, he probably would have been suspended for like thirty games in today's NHL. Back down, I don't even think he got a penalty for it. Yeah. So I I don't even remember the highlight. He might have been on the ice when Kirk scored that goal. Right. I was just sitting there. I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. Like 200 penalty minutes doesn't seem like a lot. But then you think about it. It's like, yeah, it's a lot of fucking penalty minutes. I think Dale Weiss was the right one for the Canadians. I think the one I saw for what 200. Well, he wasn't he wasn't a Habs option. The Habs didn't have one for penalty minutes. Oh, I can't. Habs were the Habs were a down column. Oh, but yeah, that game's broken my brain. Um, But it's so fun though. Like I love. Like coming up with like a Jack Johnson and getting a five yeah. makes me feel so smart. Yeah, it does. It does make you feel, feel a lot like, smart. I feel like such a smart little cookie. Yeah, but that game has humbled my knowledge of hockey a lot. And I I still enjoy playing it. I, I'm up so late that I like basically play it at like 12.01 a.m. every day just yeah. because I'm already up and I'm like, oh, let me get my brain all fucking pissed off before I go to bed. But yeah, that game's broken my brain. Yeah, my, my boss is not going to be happy at work when he turns the corner. <laughs> like, who the hell played for the Penguins and the Islanders at the same time? I I need them to have an abs section. They haven't had one yet since I've been playing. Haven't. It's been annoying. The crossover had one for the Capitals, and I got all those right. They had one for the Capitals and the Penguins. I go, I got five for you. Yeah, easy. Easy money. And then, like, I was messing up, I think, I can't remember if it's uh, Puckapedia or uh, the crossover one where it's like they have to play a game with the team. It's... Uh, Puck Doku, yeah. Yeah, Puck Doku does. Well, that, that's what fucked me with the, the Habs and the, yeah. the Ryan McDonough pick. Yeah, so if Actually, you haven't played that game, folks, yeah. play it. It is super fun. Yeah. You want to know the stupidest mistake I made on crossover? I needed one for the Bruins and the Stars. And I was like, oh, of course, Tyler Sagan. And I typed in Jamie Ben. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I don't know why I got that mixed up. I, I was like, of course, Tyler Sagan. And then over the course of 10 seconds, I typed out Jamie Ben. And it didn't click that that's yeah. not Tyler Sagan. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That, that game is a blast and I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to go nine for nine tonight. I'm going to, I'm calling her right now. I'm going yeah, nine they're, they're going to, they're going to have another category about penalty minutes again. Yeah. Or three overtime goals. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, but yeah. yeah, I don't think I have anything else for this episode after we just spent 15 minutes talking about fucking yeah. a game on your phone. <laughs> yeah. And you, if you can hear the ear flapping in the background, Daisy's getting impatient with me. Dude, that's Iggy is staring right at me. Like she just knows when we're getting ready to wrap the episode. Yeah, Daisy's like bonking her head on the table. So I think we are mandated to stop this episode now. Yes. It's so nice that we have timers just ready to built tell in to shut up. Okay, Daisy. All right, I'll be with you in a second. Can I wrap the show first? We have sponsors. Anyway, so. Thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Teledabs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Teledabs It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then... Let's go abs. <laughs>